Welcome to Good Looking Out, episode 48, a podcast about what to eat, watch, read, and listen to. I'm Eric. I'm Jason. Santos. Happy Easter. Happy Easter, man. That's new. Um, I did I did the uh, egg, I colored eggs today for <laughs> Easter as you do. Do you have a Do you have a special technique or you just kind of roll? Traditional? Oh man, I haven't done this shit since fucking <laughs> since I was a kid. I thought in like I was so like ready to just like fucking start running them through the you know the conveyor belt of like. You know, let's get these fucking eggs dyed and get them done. Because he doesn't give a shit. Jack's three. Right. He's like, what, what's going on here? What are we doing? And, like, you put the egg in there. And I'm thinking it's like, having not done it and not even thought about it in fucking forever, I'm, like, thinking you stick it in the red and then it turns red. And it takes fucking ten minutes for the thing to, like, die. And I'm like, what? That's because they will probably only use, like, all like, natural dyes these days or something, you know? Yeah. I'm like, God. When we were kids, they were using like it. fucking lead paint. You to- and it Paws, beautiful. Paws lead paint. <laughs> it looked amazing. Yeah. And now right. you've got like these like. Watered down. Looks like, it looks ridiculous. I was like, and he and he's like, what the fuck? He's like, why are we doing this? He's right. like, I have like so much candy I could be eating. Why the fuck right. am I here? Eating a hard boiled egg. Th- yeah. This is, yeah. So. That that tradition may be on its way out. Fucking diet eggs, but I'm all in favor of forming new traditions with your family as well. Oh yeah, you know, like whatever you you create the new tradition for your family, and then it's something that they grow up, and then they'll do it with their kids. Yeah, right. You know. Yeah, what can we do on Easter some kind of make beef know. jerky? Make yeah. beef jerky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, eat rabbit. Eat yeah. rabbit. Yeah. yeah. Man, my people love a fucking rabbit. Nicole does the thing where, like, uh, specifically on Mother's Day, but any of these holidays like Easter where it's nice outside, like, she wants to get outside as a family and do something. Mm. Like, go on a hike. Good. Today we took a walk to kind of down the Greenway here, which for anyone that isn't here, they've converted some of the old railways into, like, biking and walking paths through the woods. So we walked, took a walk through the woods, went to a park hung out with the girls there's like an outdoor ping pong table there so helen and i played ping pong and jesus just had like a nice time oh my god love it but yeah i think i always want there to be something food related that's know, what i do. that's where i'm always thinking like, like yeah do, do a nice ham in the smoker or yep. you know something along those lines i always like feel that too traditional but you're kind of modernizing it a little bit that's what i always want to do too yeah but today was like just eating chocolate and fucking running around the house Watching some baseball. Watching baseball. Yes, thank God. Yeah. Baseball. How the socks looking this year? Pretty good, man. Pitching's pitching's looking pretty good. Um defense is looking pretty good. Things are looking all right. And the divisions, you know, there's nobody that's like looking too threatening so far. Um so our oh. ace is coming back. We're looking good. Yeah. How about yeah. the Cubs? Do you think the Cubs are going to repeat? Oh man, they're. I mean, they're strong as shit. Like you don't just like immediately, you know, yeah. go from fucking World Series that to, to like sucking. Zero. Yeah. Yeah. So they're contenders for sure. Huh. For sure. Yeah. Interesting. So we'll see. I mean, a repeat is fucking like that. That doesn't happen often. Right. It's but true. yeah, we'll see. It's just nice to fucking hear it again have it on in the background, you know, just to be able to listen to it. It's nice. So uh, at the top of this podcast, uh, in the intro, I always talk about listen. And I feel like for a long time, we've only been really fulfilling that by me talking about podcasts almost every episode. Yeah. So we wanted to bring some music in this week. And uh, yeah, you got something new you've been listening to? I do, yeah. Um, and as we go, you know, and 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 to be totally honest with li- all our listeners, like I, like we were just Eric and I were just talking a second ago. It's like, so you got a lot of music? I'm like, I'm like, dude, I got like one new record, <laughs> and forgot. But you know what? I've had some good shit coming up lately. Um, so as we go here, I um. I may just pull some shit out. So I've got, um, sorry, I'm pulling up my notes here. I've had this record that, um, I just, I got turned on to through, um, 
the Tiny Desk concerts yep. recently. And um, this is a guy who's been around for a little bit. I don't, I honestly don't know that much about him. But the Tiny Desk concert, like, hooked me. And then I've been listening to this record nonstop. I'm gonna, I'll play a clip from the from that. So for anyone who NPR. doesn't know, by the way, this is oh, a, yeah, a thank you. series. Um, yeah, WNYC in New York City, right? Yep. Um, started a series. The music editor for WNYC started a series called Tiny Desk Concerts, where he has bands come and play at his desk in the NPR office. And they started turning these into videos. And there's some really, really brilliant ones if you haven't seen them. It's a great way as people are struggling to. Um, be exposed to new music and you're not sure, you know, cause there's your, you feel flooded and you don't know where to go. Um, it's an outpouring. So the tiny desk concerts are an outpouring of all songs considered, yep. which has been around for years and has been great. Um, yeah. And these concerts are great. So, so at any rate, um, this is Sampha, um, S A M P H A. And, um, He's this this record is out I mean Christ, I don't know, a week or so. Um he's got a couple other records. The dude, I don't know a lot about him again, like I said, but S A M P H A, check him out here. Let me play let me play a quick clip um from the Tiny Desk concerts here. That's the first track on the record, and like this, seeing somebody like the record is um, produced extremely well. Um, as Eric was saying, like this is these tiny desk concerts is like dude sitting at the desk. Yeah, there's not like it's it's in a wide open office space and people gather around. It's not like this is this is not a music venue. There's not any sort no. of acoustic treatments or no. anything like that. No, this was him with the keyboard, and then he plays a couple other tunes on just a piano. Um, so it's nice to just see, like, you know, for me, like, seeing raw talent, like, I always get somewhat um, skeptical with, you know, especially in this genre of, you know, I don't know where that falls. It falls in the R&B sort of category, and... And I get a little skeptical about production and how talented the actual artist may be. And seeing somebody like this, you're like, oh, man, motherfucker's got, like, Stevie Wonder style shit. Like, he's got pipes. He's got fucking... Right. You know what I mean? And he can play. Like, it's... And you're like, okay, this is the genuine article. That's cool. And, yeah, so check him out, man. He's... I can't stop. I'm pushing him on everybody at the office. I feel like... People are getting sick of it, but it's uh, never stopped me. Tell before. people how you spell his name again. S A M P H A. Um, the the record is named uh, his his latest album is named Process. Um, but he's got uh, he's got a couple of other records before that. So, but this latest one, which is a week or so old, is called Process, and I don't know the label. So I recently discovered. Uh, in the past, you know, I've talked a lot about the the daily mix and how I on mm. Spotify and how I think that's genius. And as someone, you know, that there's that saying goes that like, what is it? Like, as soon as you're 30 years old or whatever, you stop discovering new music, or it becomes <laughs> infinitely harder to discover new music. And it's interesting to see how these services have, at least for me and my life, as someone who is, you know, just around the corner here, I'm about to turn 44 in a couple weeks here. 
got two kids and a family and a, obviously a full-time job that keeps me busy. Um, so that daily uh, playlist thing has uh, allowed me to discover new music and rediscover things that I really love. It's so good. It's great. Man. It's really good. So they've added a new thing that's sort of a subcategory of that that's called the Release Radar, where they're putting out yeah, Release Radar is just like a bunch of stuff that's come out. Not necessarily picked for you, but it's a bunch of stuff that's come out in the last you know week or or whatever. Um, and this isn't necessarily like an obscure pick that people won't have heard about, but uh, I I did pick a couple of tracks off there. One of which was um, the new Kendrick Lamar record is out. People are talking about that a lot, obviously. Oh, yeah. And there's actually been a rumor that he's has another record already that he's ready to drop hmm. after this. Um, this new record, Damn, that he just released, which I don't know if you've had a chance to listen. Uh, I haven't, no. It's really good. So I'm going to play a track off that real quick for everyone here. Nobody pray for me. It's been a day for me. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I remember syrup sandwiches and crime allowances, but this a nigga with some counterfeits, but now I'm counting this. Parmesan with my accountant lives in fact I'm down in this. Tuesday with my boo, they taste like Kool-Aid for the analyst. Girl, I can buy a Westie girl with my base stuff. Ooh, that pussy good, won't you say that on my taste plus? I get way too baby, won't you let me be the extras? Pull up on your blast and break it down, we playing Tetris. AM to the PM, PM to the AM phone. Piss out your per diem, you just gotta hate them for me. If I quit your BM, I still rock Mercedes for if I quit this season, I still be the greatest funk. My left stroke just went viral. Right stroke, put a baby in a spiral. Soprano C, we like to keep it on the high note. It's levels to it, you and I know. Bitch, be humble. Hold up, bitch. Sit down. Hold up, hold up, be humble. Hold up, bitch. Sit down. Sit down. Be humble. Bitch, sit down. You're not feeling it. It doesn't. That doesn't do it for me. <laughs> I gotta say, man, it does. Yeah, I I think his stuff is genius. It doesn't do it for me. And, I, and you're and you're not the only smart person I know that has good taste that loves it. Like I just can't. It's not. I, think, I don't know if I don't know if like I've built up a wall and like I won't let myself get past it or like with him or with modern hip hop. Um, no, with him or in, and with uh, others like him, you know, because there's t- a lot of, you know, I mean, I'm a huge Danny Brown fan, right? you know, and, um, you know, and others like him, like in that scene, like, you know, um, but yeah, like that, I don't know, man, I, I just doesn't, it's missing something. It's huh. like, there's no I, missing I, soul. It's missing something. Like I. Well, so first of all, one of the things I think is there's a lot of there's a lot of different. I think he has amazing flow, and I think he's an amazing lyricist. Yeah, and there there's a a lot of variations in the tracks on that record, and I would say ninety percent of the tracks are like the same level of quality, which is also something that's hard to achieve. For sure, yeah, you, know, you have to go back to albums like The Chronic. Yep, you know, to get like every song on this record is, is a, like single. a banger. Yeah. yeah. And I think he, the production on his songs is really tight. Yep. Um, he's got good, you know, really good beats. It's like so far elevated from some of the stuff that comes out that you feel like is <clears throat> either should have been just a mixtape or it's like, you know, someone's rough draft of a song or something that's coming out. Yeah. Maybe I don't have a, a good enough grasp on the category to be able to say like, this is better than something else but i'll be honest like it fucking sounds the same like that sounds like 20 other like like i could never pick that out from like 20 other things that like when i get when i get in the car and beth has a radio tune to whatever she's got i'm like oh my god this is just the fuck is this like i don't want to hear this see i can always pick him out including when he just does like a little uh, spotlight or cameo or whatever he's like fe- featured on someone else's track I can pick him out immediately and he's featured on a bunch of stuff that I dig like he's like um, and I'm not remembering him now like I've got him saved in playlists over the last couple months but there's 
yeah, I, I don't have him. Like I said, I'm kind of ill prepared here. Um, but he was fe- he he's heavily featured actually on a recent record that um I was fucking crazy about. Um, I'm not gonna find it now. Um, and I won't dig. But so it, like I see him crossing over into places where I should be aware of him, and it would make sense that I like him. But like that doesn't. That's not making like that's not making my fucking heart skip a beat. It's not making it's not moving me in the right places, you know. I and and I think that like at the end of the day, like if it doesn't do it immediately, then what the fuck do I care? Like I'm not I don't there's enough in the world. Like there's already so much out there that is ready to fucking break my heart in half or make me fucking sing from the fucking rooftops. Like I don't need to try and talk myself into liking anybody. If it doesn't happen right away, fuck it. I got plenty right. on the, I got plenty happening anyway. So That's interesting. Yeah. I listened to it for the first time in the car and immediately I was like, "Oh yeah, this is this is 100% for me." Wow. You know, the other argument, I guess, ah, fuck, that's not it. I mean, if you don't like it, I'm not going to twist your arm to like it. But. No, I know you're not. Um, I'm just trying to, like, make sure that I'm not fucking up here, you know, because I'm trying to think back to, like, other, if there if there were other times in my life when I was listening and things were challenging and I needed somebody to kind of help me through it. And for a lot of people, that's jazz. You know, they don't get it. Like they hear, they hear bebop and they're like, I don't get it. Like, I don't, what the fuck is this? This is not. Well, a lot of people would say that all those tracks sound the same too. Yes, they would. Yeah. And, but for me, to be honest, like the minute, like, I don't know, that was never like that always was like immediately. I was like, oh my God, that is fucking that's genius. That and en- that energy, like I was drawn to it immediately from for reasons that I can't explain and don't need to, like really define. So, got it. Well, let me try another one that I found on this same. All right. When I was looking, because I assumed that the Kendrick Lamar stuff was on there and this release radar because it was obviously everyone was talking about it. Um, uh, this is a song, uh, called. Uh, Miku, the Mino Mino remix by um, a whole bunch of <laughs> Japanese people. So the uh, the original artist was Anamanaguchi and Miku Hatsune, uh, remixed obviously by Mino Mino. So let me play this for you. Sorry, one second. I turned down my volume here. That is killer. So, yeah, I mean, I, I love, it's like, kind of got, it's somewhere in between, like, the faster Aphex Twin and, like, the Prefuse 73 sort of click hoppy yep. kind of stuff, which, all of which I love. I'll listen to that stuff all day long, every day. Same here. Yeah, I love all that stuff. Yeah, that's, I love that. So, I mean, that right there on this release radar, I never, ever would have come across this track in a million years. Right. Yeah, and um, there, there we go. Now I have a new track from some artist I've never even heard of from around the world. So, score one for the internet and score one for Spotify. Fucking a man, and there's no doubt. And people across, like, I mean, there are so many people that are talking about like the way that Spotify and their algorithms are, and the way they're serving shit up is working well for them. Like they're doing something right. For sure. You know, they are absolutely doing something right. I was pretty psyched to see Pandora start to make a move 
Um, I mean, I've yet to, all it was, was kind of a blip in the news. I still haven't seen shit happen. Yeah. I don't know what it is yet. You know, they ate RDO, which was my fucking, I'm sure we spent 10 episodes (laughs) me bitching about that. Um, but you know, I do, I do have to admit that as much as I still dislike Spotify, the, the thing that has made it come around for me is that mix man that weekly mix that they send for sure is shit that like they choose um and i and i don't having because i don't like spotify that much i don't interact enough with it so it's very surprising that they're able to get shit that i like because i'm not really like working the the system that much let me tell you so we only have we haven't signed up for the family Spotify account where each person gets their own Same here. things. We just have my account. Same here. And so what that means is all day long during the day, the girls and Nicole and wh- whomever are listening to my Spotify account. And the girls listen to like Hamilton and they listen to, right. you know, all sorts of like modern poppy shit from, you know, Call Me Maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen to, you know, whatever. And it sends me four or five daily mixes and it d- pulls out discreetly. There'll be like an indie rock one, a click hop one, and then like one for Hamilton and one for the stuff the girls have been listening to. So it's it's almost like it recognizes these are discrete modes of listening, even though it Interesting. Thinks I, it's all coming from the same person. It understands like, oh, you have distinct modes or moods of listening, and I'm going to curate a daily mix around each of these things. Oh, yeah. You know, now that you say that, that's right, because I do notice that where it'll list like three artists, you know, here's your daily mix around, you know, yeah, whatever, fucking, yeah. you know, ACDC, right. Foreigner. So I'd be curious to know behind the scenes, like when you – choose one mix over another does it factor that like if okay you're presenting me with six uh daily mixes here i'm gonna listen to this one or this one does it does it then does that factor into the algorithm for the next week or whatever you know yeah it's fascinating it is it is fascinating um all right let me talk about something um that is in the same vein well it's not actually in the same vein, but it influenced absolutely everyone that we've been talking about. It it was huge influence on Kendrick Lamar, huge influence on anybody that samples, um, electronic music. Um, in the early sixties, there, um, was this guy who was just this crazy kind of like mad scientist. He's considered, he's one of the pioneers of electronic music, Raymond Scott. And he, um, he released a couple of records that are really fucking weird. Um, and the, the most popular, um, of these records were the soothing sounds for babies. So he was able to like find these, um, you know, he, he was able to fine tune all of his instruments, which were these huge, like basically rack mounted electronic, whatever the fucks modular Moog sort of things. Yeah, man. But like, yeah, I get that type of a thing. I mean, there weren't any, like, I don't know a ton about this guy, but I've known about this. I've known about him and I've known that like pretty much everybody fucking samples him. Um, the soothing sounds for babies was like the thing that he's every, that he's most famous for. But the one that to me is super interesting um, is the Manhattan research incorporated. Hmm. So anyway, I, I don't know who released it. I, I buy stuff in this genre off of bleep, which is a, um, it's an electronic and it's not just electronic, but I don't know. It's kind of esoteric kind of blog that covers all kinds of genres, but a lot of electronic. Um, and it just got re-released short, run it's like a thousand copies three disc um 180 gram three different color it's wow. a bad ass fucking re-release i just got it in the mail yesterday it's fucking awesome um 
but it's one of those things where like, it's kind of, let me play a couple of things from, I won't play a lot because it's, but just remember this is 1963. Um, electronic and has been created and produced on equipment designed and manufactured by Manhattan research, a division of Raymond Scott enterprises incorporated. So you you get the picture there. I, I won't drag that out forever, but like this guy goes from that to like, he has these crazy, like, there's another track in here. Uh, well, this one, actually, I, th- I feel like has been sampled a bunch. This The baseline generator. Um, and, and some of these things go on. These tracks are, like, some of them are, like, fucking 20 minutes long. This reminds me of the spiritualized record that they released. That yes. Pure phase tones for DJs. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, we're just going to have a record that's like each track is a different tone yep. key that you can spin underneath other stuff that you're doing. Yeah. Which is a genius idea. It's and it totally... sold out. Like all, all the oh, yeah. DJs bought it. For sure. All the electronicas or like, you know. Yeah, but if you like, if you were if you were to dig a level deep into like interviews with any modern hip hop artist or anyone that is a DJ and samples like Raymond Scott and the Manhattan Research Incorporated, like this stuff like has been sampled so many times, it's it's everywhere. And so I, I bought it. I'm psyched that I have it. How much listening it's gonna how much playtime it's going to get at the house. I don't know. Like, you know, boom, ba-dum, boom, ba-dum. But like, I don't know how much it's going to get, but it's cool. It's a cool, it's a cool re-release. Put it on and get Jack to shake his ass to it. Exactly. Yeah. So check it out. Um, I got it on bleep. Juno also has it. I, I can't tell you what, what label did the actual, um, reproduction, but, uh, but it's a pretty bad, pretty badass reissue. All right, I've got another uh, – I'm going to do one last song, and maybe we can use this to transition out because I actually discovered this song in a movie soundtrack of a movie that I want to talk about. Oh, so, cool. Um, I'll, talk, I'll play the song first, and then we can use this to transition into just the discussion of the movie because this is a killer indie movie that I found on Netflix. Oh, day, nice. So. Uh, this track is – do you like New Wave? Of course, man. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I figured you do. Uh, this track is called Sophia So Far by Goodnight Radio. Um, what, what's what, old is new again. What is that? Uh, Sophia So Far by Goodnight Radio. Goodnight Radio. Yep. 
Holy shit. I'm I got I'm pulling it up now. Um so I found this uh I, I was actually I think I was looking through my list. I think I somewhere on the internet I was browsing a list of like 15 movies like you've totally ignored that are on Netflix or like 15 movies yeah, yeah. That, you know like buried on Netflix that you probably haven't watched. Um and at some point I added this to my list. And I was looking through my list last weekend I think for something to watch and I found this movie called Before I Disappear. And I don't know it. This movie's about this uh it is about this guy who um it opens he's like cleaning the toilets in this like scuzzy nightclub and he finds this girl OD'd in the toilet. So it's like this is sort of sort of like the inciting incident for the movie and and his the, his boss who is um Played by oh god, there's actually a couple famous actors in this. And I'm blanking on what's the name of the dude who I'm just gonna look this up on. Yeah, pull it up. I want. I want to know. Um, what's the name of the the dude from Sons of Anarchy who plays the older, like the sort of the da- like the patriarch. Yeah, the patriarch. The- I don't know his name. Um, I don't know his name. All right, let me look this up real quick. Um, but I think everybody knows who that is, like from that series anyway, if you ever watched it, which I fucking did. I watched that entire thing, that piece of garbage. It actually wasn't a piece of garbage, but I watched, I watched the whole thing. It is... It's like fucking Brian Dennehy's brother. Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman. So Ron Perlman plays... Uh, his sort of boss and he he's basically it it comes out like pretty quickly you realize that the reason why this guy's working here is because he owes this guy a bunch of money um you don't know what but this guy is if he's willing to like not tell anyone that he found this girl od'd in the bathroom of this guy's club because it's going to cause trouble for him he's willing to forgive his dad or whatever and he's like fine whatever this guy goes home to like this kind of scuzzy apartment Gets into the bathtub and, like, basically pre- in his clothes, like, with a razor, basically prepares to slit his wrists. And as he he's actually slit his wrists and the blood is flowing out in the tub and his phone rings. And you hear this, like, old school phone ringing and ringing. And you're like, what the fuck? And so he, he yanks on the cord of this phone and, like, pulls it over the bathtub and, like, answers the phone. And it's his sister and his sister, like, really, who he hasn't talked to in years. Re- have you seen this movie? I've, I've seen this movie. Needs him to go pick up her daughter. Like, she's in a bind. It's an emergency. She doesn't have anyone else. He needs to go pick up his niece at, at a school. Yes. She doesn't have anyone who can do it. So he literally, like, wraps his wrists. Yes. From killing himself. And then, like, the whole movie unfolds from there. Uh, and the relationship between him and this young girl who's uh brilliantly played uh who plays his niece the she's so great yep uh the actress's name who plays niece i should give her some credit here is named uh fatima uh i don't even know how to pronounce this uh tasic fatima tasic i guess Emmy Rossum um, from Shameless and other stuff plays his yeah, sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, how the fuck have I forgotten about this? Because I remember watching it. It's, and it's it was really, really good. It's really fucking good. Yeah. So I don't want to say too much about the movie. Basically, like this guy finds this relationship with his, with his niece that, as it unfolds, sort of like re sparks, re sort of rekindles his interest in life and you get you find out about his backstory and all these things that have happened and what happened between him and his sister to like for them to be estranged what i love about the movie is first of all the pacing of it and it's really well acted across the board the pacing is really great it's a very simple story actually yeah but it's like incredibly well told which is one of the things that i think hollywood is uh constantly 
guilty of is they try every movie has to be about saving the fucking world all the time sure and they have to be this overblown big disaster movies with the rock fucking saving the world from this new thing or whatever yeah and which is one of the things that i always loved about hong kong action films as well over american action films it's like something can be just about revenge like you can have an yep. amazing movie that's just about a simple revenge story or a simple betrayal story or whatever um and this movie is that it's like a simple story, but it's just incredibly well told. It's really tight. The pacing is amazing. The acting is amazing. The writing's really good. And the way the relationship unfolds between him and his niece and all this stuff, like it just feels very, feels more real. Yeah. I, God, I really wish I, re- I don't know why I'm not remembering more about this because not when you described that scene of him in the tub and yanking on the phone and then having to go pick up this daughter, like, as soon as I see a picture of it, and as soon as I see one clip of it, it'll all come flooding back to me, I'm sure, because I was very touched by that movie as well. And I can't, I don't know, it, it got lost in the, in the, in the flood of stuff, but that, I remember that being a super powerful movie. Um, and probably a couple of years old at most. Yep. Good one. Yeah. Fucking good one, man. That's before a great I disappear. before yeah. I disappear. It's free to stream on Netflix right now. Oh, people. Yeah. Go watch that. Absolutely. Um, let me talk for a minute about a book um that I don't know if we if we've talked about this before or not. Um, but I just um I just read it over the last two nights um fast, got sucked into it. It's the second time I've read it. Um, it's a book called Texas Wind by James Reasoner. Um, do, do you know this book? Um, I know James Reasoner. Okay. I don't, I don't think I've read that particular book. Texas Wind is his first book and, um, it's considered like Ed Gorman, who is a pretty well-renowned crime writer. Um, he calls it one of the greatest hard-boiled, um, crime novels of our time. Um, hmm. And it is, um, it's a, it's a private eye story. Um, this guy's a private dick in, um, Dallas, Fort Worth, 1980. And, you know, it starts off in kind of like a big sleep kind of way. Like, you know, the phone call comes in, I need you to come over right away. Right. Okay. He comes over he like hears kind of what the story is, but he can tell that there's more to it. Um, and it turns into, it unfolds. It's a kidnapping story. I won't give too much away because, um, there's a couple of interesting turns in it, but it's such a great book in that, as you were saying, uh, um, it's so simple and, um, it's like, you know, obviously the people that are involved in it, there's kidnapping and, you know, potential murder and, you know, big time stuff happening to the people in it. But it's this, this private eye is like, I mean, you and I are huge crime fans and we fall in love with private eyes and the way that they roll and the way that this guy rolls Cody, um, He's he's just a bad motherfucker. Like he he has like this the the like the requisite amount of of cynicism where he can like listen to somebody, listen to their story and be like I know that's true, but I also know that there's three other truths behind that. Like you're not telling me this, this and this. And then, you know, and it's you also hear like him being like, shit, this is a fucking mistake. I made a mistake. This is what I'm going to have to do to fix that mistake. I love that in a, in a, in a private eye where they're like, they're flawed and they, and they make mistakes during the process of their, you know, of their work. And they're like, shit. All right. Well, this is what I have to do to make up for that because I know that so-and-so is going to remember this and find this out. So you make another maneuver or if you make a mistake of the heart because you like, you know, went for a woman or something like that where you're Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to pay for this, but fuck it. It's worth it. You know, like really, really great book. Um, Mm -hmm. And his like kind of like reminded me like 
it's been a while since I've read just a good, like hard boiled, like private eye book. And it's in, it's been a while. And I was just like, God, this is what, this is, these are my favorite fucking books in the world. There's nothing better. And it was so fun to just like read. I couldn't go to bed. You know, I had to like force myself to go to bed. Wow. Yeah. Which, you know, sign of a really good book. Yeah. Yeah. Jim James Reasoner. James Reasoner, Texas Wind. Texas Wind, nineteen eighty. So, um, uh, I forget the first publisher. Um, Manor, Manor um, was the publisher that put it out at the time. They were on their way under. This very well may have been their last book. They were a pulp, um, lots of gunslinger Texas stuff, right? Um. And they put this book out and it had pretty poor distribution. They didn't print a lot of it Hmm. and it just got, um, somebody just reprinted it again in like 2013. Hmm. Um, and like this, this re, this reissue of it has like kind of brought it back to light and people are like, Oh my God. Yes. That fucking book. If manner was smart, they probably could have saved their asses with it. Right. And the first edition, like if you can find like a manner version of it, it's, you actually can't find one. So that's a, that's a nice book to have. If you got, if you, if you got it. Yeah. I actually found a, um, there have been books like that, that were way out of print. When I used to actually collect physical books, I would go to, like, I remember I was antiquing with my mom at these, like, little tiny places in Wisconsin, and I found a couple, like, uh, like seriously out of print, you know, like, <sighs> really obscure, um, hard-boiled books, you know, and it was just nothing better when you can find. Oh, my God. You know, that's the first one, and. And hats off to people like George Pelicanos who have gone oh, back yeah. and like, you know, not like strong arm necessarily, but encouraged his publishers to go back and publish some really great books uh, from authors that, you know, didn't get their due. Be it people like Kem Nunn, who now has like, you know, somewhat come back into yep. um, the fold because he's done a series for HBO and some other stuff. But um I'm trying to think of should, uh, what is the I'm trying to think of the name of this particular book. It was the I remember the title is Death in California, but I'm trying to remember it with the name of the Newton Thornburg. That's the name of the writer. I didn't have to look it up. So Newton Thornburg, yeah, Death in California, and he's got some really good, really good uh, books as well. If you haven't read his stuff, no, I haven't. Newton Thornburg, he's a good writer. He's someone who had a big influence on Pelicanos when he was young. Is that right? And so Pelicanos has been encouraging reprints of uh, a bunch of his stuff, including this Death in California book. Um, but he had, there was a famous – let me look up which one. There's one of his that's like incredibly well-known that everyone talks about. Pelicanos or Newton Thornburg? Newton Thornburg. Oh, Cutter's Way, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, same author as Cutter's Way. Cutter's Way. Sure. Um, Fucking so good. So that, yeah. I didn't know. You You turned me on to that. Um, he's, yeah, he's got a whole whole bunch of books. Out. Yeah. Okay, killer. It's uh, To Die in California is the name of the book. To Die in California. 1973 came out the year I was That's born. That's a good year. It's a very good year. So, have you seen the Jim Jarmusch, uh, Iggy and the Stooges documentary, Give Me Danger? I bought it um, and have it queued up and have been waiting for the right flight. And right. Um, I got to fly. It's free on Amazon if you're yeah, a I know. member. And it's free yeah. on fucking Netflix or something, too, I right. think, too. And it's probably free on, like, Hulu or something as well. I don't care. I mean, that's yeah. – I mean, it's – Iggy and yeah. fucking Jim Jarmusch. Like, right. I bought it, and like since I bought it, I, I was like, well, fuck it, I'll you know, no rush to see it. I've got enough. Um, so no, I haven't seen it yet. I so I didn't listen to 
you know, Iggy and the Stooges growing up. Yeah. I mean, obviously I know who they are and you've heard a lot of those songs, you know, in movie soundtracks and other things. And I definitely have, um, you know, am familiar with Iggy pop post Stooges. Um, I had no idea how much that band influenced like so many other famous bands and things that came after it. uh, The uh, amount of influence they had is insane. Yeah. I mean, like I've always viewed them as, and I don't proclaim to be any like, you know, huge rock historian. So many other people, their brains are just fucking work like that. Mine doesn't. But for me, I've always like credited them with like helping us survive from, and this is, I love the Beatles, but like Sergeant Pepper was a fucking problem for rock and roll because everyone just tried to imitate it forever. Yeah, yeah, it just became a problem. Like, you know, the MC5 and, like, you know, like, we're having to, you know, like, real rock and roll and Black Sabbath and things like that. We're trying to survive, you know, as things slowly started to move into stadium rock. Like, Sergeant Pepper was 68, you know what right. I mean? And it, and it kind of fucked up, like, this thing. And I've always it kind of just threw a wrench in the works where like as bands like the MC five and the Stooges were laying this bedrock for just the greatest fucking rock and roll ever. This fucking record comes in and it it blows up. It's the biggest record ever. And no one knows about the MC five, except for the fact that they were at like the 68 democratic convention and you know what I mean? And like in the Stooges, you know, but I've, I have always credited like Iggy and the Stooges with like, holding on like being producing like such great rock and roll that it was able to like influence enough people to get us to 1977 and get you know all those right things to happen for sure yeah i mean when you see there's a a sequence in the movie where they just show um all these like incredibly famous bands and people playing i want to be your dog Oh you yeah, know, really? That's cool. Bowie and all sorts of people. That's you know, cool. And, yeah. You know, as and I guess I didn't know that like Bowie tapped Iggy and some of the people from the Stooges and like brought him over. We tapped him, like, all right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I I had no idea that like that connection was so strong and yeah, you know, you can like draw a line between them and the Sex Pistols and oh know, yeah, very like, direct. Sex line. Pistols don't happen. Yeah, you know, no, no, no. If it's not for Iggy and the Stooges and the Sex Pistols were obviously enormously important to me when I was in high school and middle school. So. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So that's killer that this movie like connect makes these connections for sure. Oh, it's I can't really wait to see good. It. And I had no. No idea as well, just like how it's crazy to see them playing these like massive stadium shows and doing this stuff, but like didn't seem like they're making a ton of money. Like at at some one point, like the two brothers who were, you know, from Detroit, yeah, and his whole thing with his family is really cool and really interesting as well. It's great, yeah. Um, and that fucking trailer they live in is just like. It's like an Art Deco masterpiece. Right? Um, yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know, he, he lived for the longest time, and I think actually moved back in at some point he in did. his adult life with his parents in this like crazy Art Deco. It's like not an Airstream. It's some more obscure, oh. but it's it's insanely cool. Yeah. It's, and a, it's a bunch so of the footage weird. is shot in it like for this movie. Really? Yeah. No way. Yeah, they shoot most of his interview stuff is him sitting like in this trailer. So I don't know if he's back living in this trailer. Fucking you know, a. somewhere in Detroit or wherever. Wow. But uh it's crazy. It's really good. So for anyone who just loves music and loves rock and roll, whether or not you know anything about and I think you'll be surprised how many songs that you've heard once you yeah. hear their songs just because they've been like I said, used so heavily in movie soundtracks and all sorts of other stuff, and other people probably covering their songs. You'll be surprised. I what I thought, I heard them and I thought like there were a couple of them were Iggy Pop songs, but they're obviously Stooges songs. They were Stooges. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and the the brothers, Ron and Scott, yep. Ashton, were they were like a huge part of yeah. that band. Like that band doesn't happen without them, and they went on for. 
Right. And had their That's own, the other thing that I didn't know either. And yeah, and had like huge impact on on music in their own way. And you know, it's funny. Like, do they do they go into drug culture and like the influence of drugs had on the band? And oh, I mean, yeah, they go into yeah. that a bit for sure. Because that was like I mean, a big thing. Like the band was, um, you know, there was like this thing with. Like they were heavy junkies, um, you know, but they also did enough cocaine so they could work, um, you know, um, and Iggy and and Bowie were together during the cocaine years. Like they very much worked together during the cocaine years and, um, but yeah, their story, like this, the, the, like the rock and roll, like mythology abounds about the drug use there. And it's always just the thing of like you're just like holy fuck, man! I w- I wish, I you know, I wish right. I could have fucking seen that. And it's not it's not like the romanticizing of drugs, but it's like just the entire like just full bore in the fucking lifestyle right. in doing it right. And you know, also how crazy that you know they were pretty recently like in the last 10 years inducted in the rock and roll hall of fame. And at that performance, he is on stage, like dancing and has the energy. Yeah. No, of yeah. when he was like 20 years old. Or he's whatever. still yeah. like two it's years crazy. ago, he was on tour and he still wears fucking jeans and no shirt and he's right. ripped and he looks fucking the same. Right. And he's, he's like, He's the same as Keith Richards. Crazy genetic freak. Yeah, he's a crazy genetic freak. Like, how do you like do that to yourself for that long and still have that kind of energy? Like, that guy is like, it's so beautiful to see somebody that was born to do something do that thing. Yeah, and like he's one of them. I thought it was really interesting to talk about when they were in the studio and recording some of the songs. Like, the band couldn't play with the energy that they played with if he wasn't in the room dancing, yeah, like he got the rest of that band so fucking keyed up and hyped up that they just weren't the same band without him standing in front of them, like creating the energy. Where was there? When was there another lead man? Like, you know, cause you go back and you're like, you look at the, you know, like other enormous, you look at the who, right. Roger Daltrey was a lead man, kind of, but fucking Pete Townsend was just as much in the spotlight. So not really like lead man, like Elvis. He was basically just a fucking one man show. Yeah. Like a lead man of, of a band though. Like Iggy, like he drove that fucking bus, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, it it doesn't happen. I mean, it doesn't happen without them. It like, it was all magic. All of them coming together, but Yeah. I'm dying to see it, man. And especially because he did it, you know, like Jarmusch, like I was so psyched when I saw that he was making that thing. I was like, fucking yes. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait to see it. I think probably this flight out seems I got a flight coming up here a couple days. I got to fucking check a bag on it. I haven't checked a bag In in forever. Fucking years. I'm already depressed about it. It's fucking depressing. Let me ask you about this. Um, speaking of kind of depressing, I, I I feel like it's headed in a bad way. Um, staying on the Netflix streaming tip, um, yeah. I have watched the first four episodes of um, Iron Fist. Yeah. And stop now. <laughs> Just stop. Fuck. I say, I mean, it ha- it's supposed. God damn it! It, it, it not, felt like it was starting. It's not worth it. God damn it! If if you, I would actually, and I I would hesitate to recommend this to everyone, but I actually think Thirteen Reasons Why is better, like way better than Iron Fist, and yeah. way more worth your time. Okay, and and even that, but even even. You know, I like I said, it's not it's not for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Like if you can't stomach sort of that YA, I think it's a really well done YA. But if you can't like stomach that, that adult genre and that world, you know, 
Um, if you don't like John Green and some of those other things, it's right. a little darker than any of that stuff. It has a little more edge to it. It's almost like a high school noir sort of thing. Yeah. Like not a million miles away from that author that I love, Megan Abbott, who writes all those. Oh, like, yeah. You love her. Yeah. High school noir sorts of things. So I actually, I was watching 13 Reasons Why and I kind of, I stopped and I was like, pulled the plug on it at one point it was like, because there was a moment where it was like, this is like if the net if Netflix was doing like a really dark CW show. And uh, I was like, I'm not sure that I'm signing up for that. Yeah. And then I was talking to a couple of people at work, and they were like, Oh no, it's really good. Like if you keep going, like it's really. And I started watching it. And I was like, You know what? Fuck it. Like even though this thing is YA, it's really it's actually really solid. And All right. It's well done. So right. thirteen reasons why. If you haven't seen it, it's one of those things that kind of feels like. One of those Netflix things that has just like sucked everyone up, or lots of people are watching it at least. Yeah, I think it's well worth watching. Um, Iron Fist, however, I wanted, I really wanted to like it. You know, it got completely panned, like yeah. just like oh yeah, beat up and down the street like a fucking oh yeah three legged <laughs> rabid dog totally by the critics. The critics just took like the the guy who's the star. And the fucking directors and all these people, producers, just were like, they went on the defensive almost immediately. And there's this new thing now that pe- that people love to say. It's like the new defense of the shitty superhero uh, show. It's like, oh, it's like for the fans. It's not for the critics. It's for the fans. Right. Fuck so it. like, fuck you guys. You don't get it. Yeah. Which is like, no, actually, they do get it. Yeah. A lot of those critics are huge comic book fans like at this point yeah that comic book culture and all that stuff is pretty much mainstream that's right so saying it's like for the fans or whatever and it's not for the fans like it's not nearly kind of it's not nearly it's not taking like deep cuts from the fucking comics and there's not a bunch of inside references and stuff like that like um i don't know it's just it's it's a it's, bummer. It's like poorly it, acted. It drags. The it's poorly acted. Isn't amazing. And, no, it's not. Um, I got to the point where I got to this episode where he, he like convinces this woman who's pretty much a civilian to go and like uh, like assault a like a raid on like an incoming ship that's coming from China and like they're both could easily be killed and he just like convinces this woman and like a couple minutes to like, just go risk her life. Jesus. Just because, you know, for whatever. And it's just, the acting is so wooden. The writing yeah. is terrible. The action isn't great. There's just so much better. Like, so I, I started watching that and Legion about at the same time. And like, so it could not be, you just, yeah. Oh my God. Easy. There's a massive world of difference between those two things. And it shows you if you, with whatever material, you can make something completely fucking amazing. I mean, I'm yeah. not saying that Legion and Iron Fist are like the same category of even right. source material, but like you, someone could have made a terrible, terrible show out of Legion as well. That's right. Yeah. But they didn't. They made a fucking amazing show that unfortunately right. just like must, they must have gotten a short episode call because it's already over. Yeah. What I'm the so hell? bummed about that, but. It is a drag. But Iron Fist, ugh. Yeah, it's Shiza. Passable. What about um, Luke Cage? Isn't that like part of the Iron Fist story? Not, not, I, I haven't I, seen I a bailed out of that either. I haven't seen so it. So the thing, the thing about all these, the fatal flaw about all these things is after they get through the uh, origin story, the characters get much less interesting. Yeah, right. It's hard to keep any sort of momentum or interest after they get through the origin story of these things. Yeah. And um, it has to be a really good show. It has to be really well written. And a lot of these shows really require there to be an an awesome villain. Right. And in the case, uh, it's it's pretty rare that they do have that. Daredevil um, has been able to deliver that to a certain extent. And I think Jessica Jones in the first season Mm. with David Tennant and what they did with his like really creative use and imaginings of like the scope of his power and how he would use it. I think they did really well. Yeah. So Jessica Jones, which is also 
you know, they're they're all gonna they're gonna put them all together and roll them all up at one point, and you're gonna see Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Daredevil, and this fucking douche hat from Iron, Iron Fist right. together, right? Uh, in a series, yeah. And I I don't know. I just I don't know if I can make myself yeah pay attention at this point, right? I like. There's so much other good stuff too, happening yeah. out there, and at this point, we hit a serious point of oversaturation with all the superhero stuff. Oh my god! And there's plenty of good comics and other things out there that I can go to. Let's right. go read Matt Fraction comics all day long, right? Sex Criminals and all that stuff. Totally. There's, I'll go read Miss Marvel. Um, right. There's plenty of Miss Marvel continues to be amazing. I've been reading it with the girls. There's all sorts of stuff coming out. I yeah. don't need. Marvel to fucking force feed me really like D plus bullshit content fucking. on Netflix. <clears throat> nope, not at all. So fuck them. Fuck them. Talking about something that is made for the fans and that has been really well redone. Uh, were, were you a Mystery Science Theater 3000 um, fan? Yeah, for sure. And I, and I haven't checked it oh out yet. Oh my God, it's so good. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Really? It's, so Killer. they rebooted it. They did. It is. They took everything that worked about it, and then they just upped the ante. Seriously? On it. Yeah. So they got um, this comedian Jonah Ray. It's got Tom Servo and Crow and Daisy. It's got the whole sp- spaceship, but they just recast all the parts. They've got Patton Oswalt. No, really. And Felicia Day play like the two sort of scientists that are torturing them with the bad movies. And <laughs> right. Even like Will Wheaton is in it in a small part. So they basically just like got all these superstars from nerd culture and people that really get it and people that grew up loving the show. Yeah. And they've just recreated the show with like 13 episodes from them. And I was telling Nicole just like last night, actually it was yesterday. Like, I like this this I was thinking this is something we could watch with the girls. I'm gonna like watch the first twenty minutes of an episode and see like just to make sure it's like okay. Right. Like it's not inappropriate. And I started watching it and it was like, you know what? This is like such adult humor that they're not gonna get it. Uh and then Vivian came in the room while I was watching it on the iPad and she sat down and then Helen came in the room and they were watching it. They were fucking dying. No, no, really? They thought it was hilarious. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. So, um, and I have to give a shout out to my friend uh, Bill from Ryan and Maria, who is uh, Kaya uh, Fisher, who helps us, you know, with yep. this podcast. Uh, Bill, back in the day, William, I believe he refer- prefers to be called now, William, back in the day, as a young man in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, uh, had like every single episode on VHS tape and he used to loan them to us all. And he's the one who really got us going. William killer, William Keen. I don't remember where I watched it. Um, And he just had them all recorded. I had never even heard of it. Where was it? What was it on? It was started off on cable access. And then I'm not sure where it aired. But you know, it started on cable access in Minneapolis. No shit. Oh, absolutely. It okay. Is from this town. Okay. Killer. Yeah. No shit. So, and, uh, God, I loved it. And then there was like, cause there were the two hosts and there was like controversy about who liked, and I actually like both the hosts. It's pretty yeah. rare that like, you know, they both kind of had their own thing. There was Joel Hodgson, who was the original guy and created, and then it transitioned to a new host. And I actually thought they did pretty well. And Jonah Ray as like the new, person does really well and then of course Pat Oswalt and Felicia Day oh, God, are totally yeah, they, genius. Yeah. So to to be fair, I've only watched like the first forty minutes of the first episode. However, that was more than enough for me to see like they have rebooted this in like they got it sorted. If you were a fan of this back in the day, like you're gonna love this new version. Where is it? It's on Netflix. What the, the fuck? The Netflix original series. Killer. Yes. So Killer. Netflix oh, I'm going to watch it tonight. It. So thank you, Netflix, for yeah. rebooting this. Um, it's kind of ballsy because it's so weird. It like, is so weird. Like Because remember, they tried to make the movie version of it, and yep. the movie did not really pan out at all. No. It was not great. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. watching that tonight. Good one. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. And I, I'm... I'm really looking forward to watching it more with the girls because, like, they just thought it was so funny. Isn't that great? And it's still wow. like the first one is a 
Danish monster, like kaiju style monster uh-huh. movie. They're like, who who the hell knew that the Danes tried to make like a like kaiju monster movie? Yeah, yeah, right. And it's oh my god. It's oh, abysmal. Of course. Like it's exactly what you'd expect. <laughs> There's oh my god! Of, it's funny how the humor in those things build because there's so much like callback and referrals. So it's like when I first started watching, I was like, I don't know, is this as funny as it used to be? And then by 20 minutes in, the girls and I were just like <laughs> laughing our asses off because like the humor just builds and builds and builds. And then they, so one example of how they've upped it is like for the first, the first interstitial. You know how they come out of the movie and they all come back out and. Yeah, yeah. They do a discussion, or there's like a back and forth. They came out and they sang this brilliant fucking song about how every country has their own monsters, and they (laughs) name all these different like, like from El Chupacabra to Nessie in Scotland. They and this this brilliant. It's actually a rap song. They wrote a rap song about all of the different monsters from around the world, and it's just so well done. Oh my god! So yeah, it's it's well worth watching for like i said anyone who loved the original show you're gonna absolutely love it killer oh i can't wait to watch it all right you got anything else no we, man all right let's call it yeah so thanks again everyone for listening uh we've got episode 48 tonight we're gonna try to cook up something special for episode yeah, 50 something should good. Be coming up soon so stay tuned for that thanks as always to kaya fisher for the audio engineering assistance And thank you all for listening. Yeah. See you later. So long, suckers.